This is episode number 55 with Margie Feltune. Welcome to the Good Life Coach Podcast. I am your host, Michelle Lamoureux. The intention of this show is to awaken you to your fullest potential. Join me each week for inspiring interviews to elevate an area of your life, as well as interviews with women entrepreneurs who are creating success on their own terms. Each episode provides actionable tips to guide you to design a life you love. Hey there, it's Michelle and welcome back. So we are heading into a holiday week next week and wanted to bring you another self-care strategy podcast. So last month I brought on Deanna Seymour to talk to us about her self-care strategies. She's a seven-figure female CEO. And today we have on Margie Feltune, who's also a seven-figure female CEO. The reason I'm asking these women to come on in particular is because they are managing big life visions with their companies, as well as managing other responsibilities. So I thought it would be fun to understand how they are doing it all. So for many people, going home or seeing their family or holidays in general can either be lonely or stressful. For some, it is fun. Um, but self-care is something anyway that we need to be thinking about every day. To me, my definition of self-care is what you do each and every day to maintain and sustain your power. So the idea is that if you want to be the best mom you can be, then you need to fill your cup every day. And if you're going to be the best CEO or entrepreneur you can be, then you need to also fill your cup for yourself, you know, for your relationships. We can't put ourselves last. And that is the trend. Women tend to be natural nurturers. They tend to put everyone before themselves. So I'm really excited to have Margie on today to share what she does and her journey around why self-care became a priority in her life. So Margie is the co-owner of a company called Interview Connections, which is the first and leading podcast booking agency. And so Margie and her business partner, Jessica, who was on actually in episode number 19, and I'll link to that episode because that was about how Jessica founded the company and the whole entrepreneurial journey and how Margie came on board. So that's a fun listen as well. But they lead an in-house staff of 12 employees in Rhode Island. And outside of work, Margie is very active in animal rescue. She was recently recognized for her fundraising efforts with a Humane Heroes Award. My hope is by listening to this interview and the one with Deanna, which I will also link in the show notes, that was episode number 50, that they will inspire you to think about the ways that you can bring self-care into your daily practice. And at the end of the show, I will also remind you how you can get a list of 52 free self-care tips for the busy woman. One idea for every week of the year, as I really want to inspire you to make your self-care a priority. So let's meet Margie. Here we go. Hey, Margie, thanks for joining me. Hey, Michelle, thank you so much for having me. So can you just take a second to introduce yourself and tell us what you do? 
Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Margie Feltoon. I'm the co-owner of Interview Connections. Um, we are the leading podcast guest booking agency, and we book entrepreneurs on podcasts. Awesome. So I like to ask people their definition of self-care, because when we start big picture, I think it helps us figure out what maybe is missing or what we need to do. So I'm curious, what is your definition of self-care? So you sent me the questions a couple months ago, and it really got me thinking because my first answer was very health focused. Mm. Um, I realized that I was thinking of self-care as physical health and then secondarily, maybe a little like mental health and personal development. But I think that's such an interesting question because now I've been like turning it over in my mind and realizing that it's can, it can take so many forms. And I think it is sort of ever changing, um, depending on what you, and I think sometimes self-care is really is like straightforward, like, you know, exercise regularly and eat well and meditate. Mm -hmm. But then sometimes I think self-care can be letting yourself off the hook for not being on top of your self-care and not stressing out about it. So it's such a funny thing. It's true. And I think that we're so rewarded for productivity in our culture and for achievements so that sometimes the resistance or the reluctance to start a practice is that maybe you won't stick with it. And then, like you said, you'll beat yourself up for it and feel bad about yourself instead of just being glad that you worked out two times in that week instead of every day, like in your head, you said you were going to do. So, yeah. So do you have, um, actually, I already know this. I'll just say, so you have a, you have a pet. So, you know, I like to ask too, you know, what other, who else are you responsible or, you know, what other life are you responsible for? Yes, I have um I have a pet. I have two pets actually. Mm. I have um a Maltese who's mm. um 8 years old and blind who mm. I just adopted like 6 months ago, oh. so he's pretty new. And then I also have a cat who I've had since she was a couple weeks old and she's 16 now. So wow. I have too. Yes. And I like they're having pets is like the best self-care ever because they just bring so much to my life. And it it's just, it's lovely to share space with them and live with them and take care of them. It's so nice. Mm, that's so beautiful. And what do you specifically feel like they bring into your life? That's such a good question. I mean, I think uh, the, obviously it's like the, you know, the unconditional love and all those things that mm. are so obvious and everyone knows about it. But a big thing that I also think pets bring is comedy. Mm. They make me laugh every day. They are both so ridiculous. And it's, it's so funny to just be at home alone, like laughing so hard because they're just doing something weird. (laughs) Oh my God. I love that. And when you are walking your Maltese, if, is it a boy or a girl? It's a boy. His name is Harold. Harold. So when you take Harold for a walk, can he just walk on his own or do you have to put him in like a little stroller? That is a great question. Um, he basically he is blind, but yeah. no one can tell he's blind unless they see him like knock into something. He's incredibly confident. Mm. So he's actually, I've had a number of dogs. I've never had a dog this good on leash mm. and he just struts his stuff. Like he is, he is a role model for confidence. Oh, so <laughs> I, <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay. So what does self-care look like for you on a daily basis? How do you incorporate it in your life? I do think it's 
always changing. We were talking before about kind of different nutrition programs and workout programs. Mm -hmm. And I've done a lot of different stuff and I definitely go through seasons. Like I did beach body videos and I still love them. I did them for years. I did hot yoga like four nights a week for mm -hmm. a while. Now I'm doing um, faster way to fat loss with Amanda Tress. And I've been doing that since December and I love that. So I'm doing the intermittent fasting and the macro tracking and I'm doing those um, at home like strength and high intensity interval workouts. So in terms of like physical health, that's the self-care that I'm doing. Mm. And then, um, I would say in terms of like other types of like mental health and emotional health, self-care, um, that one I think is kind of ever changing and can kind of sometimes be giving yourself permission to not show up in certain ways. And sometimes it's holding yourself accountable for making excuses not to show up. So being mm -hmm. able to differentiate when it's like, I need to rest or I'm avoiding and I should just go mm -hmm. push through. So it's, it's an interesting thing. Yeah. And has self-care always been something you've been conscious of, or is it something that's come into your life a little bit later as you felt like you needed to make it a priority? Um, that's a great question. I would say it's been a part of my life for a long time, definitely mm. since before I owned a business or anything like that. I, um, I would say with like health and nutrition, I really started getting interested in that in high school because mm. I, my mom, um, was a prosecutor. She worked for the government, really mm. successful. She worked really long hours. So my dad was really in charge of me and my nutrition. Yeah. And he was wonderful, but I would not say he was super educated about nutrition. <laughs> so I really grew up on really a, a poor diet of like mm. a lot of like white pasta and fast food. So I got interested in it because I also, you know, had a lifetime of, you know, depression and anxiety, mm. like I think a lot of people do. And and realizing the link between eating so unhealthy and a lack of exercise in that. So that really is a journey that started in high school for me. Mm. And it took on many phases of experimenting with veganism and running and then like changing it up. So it started there, but it's continued to evolve. And I think sometimes self-care can mean like going to therapy. If something happened, like my dad passed away and knowing that it's like, it's time to go to therapy. Like there's no shame in getting help. Cause sometimes that is the personal development you need. You need a professional who's got, you know, an unbiased view to kind of see your blind spots and help you process stuff. Um, I love personal development. So whether it's reading personal development books or programs, um, Jess, my partner and I, um, completed the landmark curriculum mm -hmm. and I'm a huge fan of that. So I think there's a huge self-care aspect in, in personal development as well for me. Oh, I like that. That's really so helpful. You covered a lot there. And truthfully, I think that women do have a hard time asking for help, especially high, high achieving women. Uh, there's a sense of, shame or like, I shouldn't need that. But you're right. Seeking help is actually being strong and doing what you need to do so that you can be yourself, best self for yourself, for your business, for the people you love. So um, I'm curious, what did you find got you out of your depression though? Was it changing your diet? Was it exercise? What, what shifted that? Or is it something you still deal with? I think part of it, um, that I have a lot of depression and mental health issues in my family. My dad actually died by suicide in 2015. Oh, so, so sorry, Margie. Thank you so much. So 
there's there's there were situational aspects i think just in the way that i grew up and how kind of isolated i was that contributed to that i think um you know fitness and nutrition contributed i think personal development i really feel like i had a big breakthrough in feeling not feeling depressed anymore and i'll say less anxious because i i still am a pretty high achiever so i am can be a little tightly wound mm-hmm. but i would say the landmark curriculum it's really been everything but that has been the biggest thing that i would say has really helped me so much with with mental health and not feeling hopeless or depressed and and just feeling so much more empowered um, about like my own feelings and my own circumstances, even when things are get a little bit overwhelming. Wow. Now I've had friends who took that, uh, I'm going to say literally like 20 years ago. And they're like, Michelle, you would love this. I'm surprised I never did it because I've always been into personal development too. What is it that they specifically teach that's so empowering and helpful? Like, why is it so transformative for people? It's been around for a long time. It's changed a lot. It's a, it's a, it's a little less intense than I think it was in its prior iteration. You lock yourself in a room for three days, no cell phone. I don't even think they had cell phones back then. I'm serious. Like I think when my friends were doing it, it was like you just disappeared for three days and couldn't talk to anyone outside. Yes. So you can talk to people outside. You don't get locked in a room. There was windows. <laughs> so so, so it's, it's not that extreme. And that's a really good question. And I'm going to try not to butcher. It's very hard to explain. And mm-hmm. I'm going to try not to butcher it because we kind of had the same question that you just asked. We had so many um, high achieving clients and friends who were like, you got to do this. You know, I attribute all my revenue growth. I attribute my great relationships, all of it to this thing. And we're like, what is this? Like, how is that even possible? So it is three, the forum is what it starts the first part of the curriculum. And it is three days and it really is an ongoing conversation. There's about 120, 140 people in the room. And it's really just an ongoing conversation about life and perception and the meanings we create Mm -hmm. and how our past colors it and who leads it leads this conversation and then there's they'll introduce a topic and then people some people will go up and share their experience on the mic which is incredibly moving to hear people sharing so honestly and then you also even if you don't want to share at the mic you share with the person next to you and it's very hard to explain why it works i think it's partly because it's so incredibly immersive so It's a similar philosophy if you've read Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it's like being immersed in that for three days. So while reading the book had an impact on me, it didn't change my wiring the Mm. way that immersive experience did. And it's very... I would say it's very Buddhist and it kind of, it all comes back to there is no inherent meaning. Life is empty and meaningless and that's not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. So all the meaning is created by you, the observer, which means you have all the power to recreate it and to be however you want to be. You have that freedom. Um, And it's just, it's wonderful. I could, I could go on, but. Yeah, just too. I mean, she was like. Everyone in our company now has to go through it. So I like that you're giving that that opportunity to your employees as well. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's so wonderful. And I think that's why people think it's a cult, because people are just so enthusiastically talking about it. But it's like, 
we're not affiliates. Like we're not incentivized to talk about it. So it's like, why are you all so obsessed with it? But it really, it really has been that transformational and, yeah. and great. Yeah. And like I said, same with my friends when they took it, when they were locked in the room, I'm joking about being locked in, but they made it sound <laughs> like you were, you know, you were so immersed and there was no outside connection. And I don't know, I, I wasn't willing to take that time away, I guess, from my work and I did different things, but I have, you have my curiosity peak for sure. I'll have to look into that one. But, um, so self-care is something that you came into in your teens and for specific reasons, which I think a lot of women do. Um, but even though in the theory, everyone actually knows what they need to do. You know, if you needed to figure out how to eat better or whatever, you you could easily figure out a course or a program or get a health coach, but not everyone's doing that. They're not taking care of themselves. I'm curious, why do you think women feel so guilty about making time for their needs and desires? I think that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know for me if it's guilt as much as it just feels like such a big job because Mm. it's like, I think for a lot of achievers, it feels like it has to be all or nothing. Mm -hmm. It's like, what's the point of making small changes to my diet if I'm not also doing all this other stuff? And I, I think that's where people go wrong. And I think that's where a lot of women probably get overwhelmed because it really does start to snowball and start to build if you just start making little changes and sticking with them. Mm -hmm. And then you suddenly, you're talking about the changes and then someone's like, oh, that's interesting. I'm doing this. And then maybe you'll add that in. So it's just slowly adding things in Mm -hmm. um, rather than feeling like it's all or nothing. Like I... When I was in high school, sorry if my parents listened to this, but when I was in high school and I started running, I was also smoking cigarettes. Like, <laughs> so it's it's not like you're ever this perfect person, you know, mm-hmm. like, so I think just getting started somewhere and then things, you know, naturally I got more interested in health and I stopped smoking cigarettes, but it wasn't like I felt like I needed to be perfect right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You gave yourself permission to just do what felt good and just to start exploring and trying different diets like you did and start running and different exercise programs. So what do you do then either morning or evening routine or sometime during the day? When do you fit in your self-care? And, you know, I like to think of it as mind, body and spirit, right? So it doesn't mean we're always tending to all three, but um, I think it's good to start with the priorities of that is your physical body. And I think it's always a good place to start in some regard because it trickles into the other areas of your life. But um, in within those categories, where where do you make time to tend to those areas? Good question. So um, Jess and I both have our hours set in a way that really allows a lot of time and kind of self-care in the morning. So we work in the office 10 to 4.30. And obviously, as a business owner, stuff comes up outside of those hours that we deal with remotely, but that's the time we're in the office. So starting at 10 is really nice because I have ample time to like wake up, drink my coffee. That's when I do my workout. Um, And then I'm doing that fasted and then I'll bring my food for the day and then break my fast at work. And that's really been nice for me. So now I'm curious though, do your employees come, do they have a similar schedule or do they have set hours? Well, usually it's nine to five, but are they nine to five? I'm just curious now, because that's really great. And I got that from Jess, that there were really clear boundaries on 
the hours worked and for her to be home with her family and for you, you know, to be taking care of yourself and your and your pets and who are, whatever else you have that's a priority. Yes. So our team works nine to five. And a big part of why we're able to do this is because we have built a really strong team of in-house employees. So we have seven full-time booking agents, two full-time show researchers, and a manager who is leading that team and talking to clients. And that's what gives us the freedom to have those hours. And I do think having building a team for, for entrepreneurs, a big part of self-care is learning how to build and empower a team so that you can have that freedom to take care of yourself. So what advice would you give a woman who aspires to have a seven-figure business like you guys do, or I should say you ladies do? Um, what does she need to know in order to make that a reality? I would say no matter where she is, if she's just at multi six figures or if this is brand new starting a business, my advice 100% get a mentor. Mm. <laughs> Because the self-care aspect of having someone who is enough steps ahead of you that they can add as a mentor, they can act as a mentor, they can save you from spinning your wheels and wasting time and money and frustration, figuring out things that they've already figured out mm. is wonderful. And having that, especially if you're a solopreneur and you don't have a team yet, that connection of having that mentorship, having someone you can go to, I think is amazing so that you don't feel isolated. You don't feel like you have to do it alone and that you know you're on the right track. You don't need to wing it. Yeah. Let's differentiate though, because you can have a business coach and then you can have a mentor. How do you see them as either separate or the same? So I use those interchangeably. Okay. Um, I, so I would say get a business coach. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I wanted to know, because I think of mentor in a way is a little bit different to some degree. But like you said, somebody who's walked the path before you. So I'm using mentor in that example as a business coach. And that would be my biggest tip is find someone who resonates with you and who has the skills in the type of business that you want to build. But I do also think there's room for more than one mentor mm -hmm. and having mentors, having a business coach, but then also having mentors who are where you want to be in, in any aspect. I mean, it could be someone whose health and fitness you really respect or someone who, you know, if you're in corporate there's so many great opportunities for a professional mentor there where it's a little less official than a business coach and you're mm -hmm. probably not paying them. Mm -hmm. But I think those are so rewarding and can help you feel like, remember that you're not in it alone. You're not the first person to do this. And I think that's really helpful. Yeah, that's great advice. If you could leave the women listening with your best tip, what is one strategy that a woman who's listening, really wants to focus on herself? What can she implement that maybe has even worked for you? Something that you've done that you're like, yeah, try this. I would say gratitude. Mm. <laughs> because, and someone in one of our masterminds brought this up recently, and I loved it so much because you work so hard to get to seven figures. Mm. And then there's all these new headaches that you forget to sit, realize how grateful you are to have achieved this milestone to be at seven figures. And it's a beautiful sweet spot to be at because you're, you're, 
you have real revenue, but you're not such a big business that you can't pivot. You have so much freedom still. So it's, it's a wonderful place to be. So I think just remembering, even when there's chaos and stress, to practice gratitude. I love that. That's a perfect way to end. This has been so great. And where can I direct people to learn more about you and Interview Connections? Um, the best place is our Facebook group. It's at interviewconnections.com slash group. And you can also find it on Facebook if you look for um, Podcast Guest Profit Lab. And we are in there doing videos all the time, engaging, asking questions. So it's a really fun place to be. Love it. And I'll definitely link that to you. I, this has been great. It's always so interesting to hear how women are achieving such great things and also tending to themselves. So I am so grateful for your time today. Thank you so much, Michelle. I really hope that you enjoyed today's episode and that it inspired you to be thinking about ways that you can incorporate more self-care into your daily practice, whether that's taking time to stop and breathe, to stretch your body, to tune into what your body's trying to tell you, to exercise, to walk, to meditate, to journal, to eat well. There's so many ways that we can be nourishing ourselves each and every day. If you'd benefit from some self-care ideas and are not yet on my mailing list and part of the community, then I'd encourage you to head over to thegoodlifecoach.com forward slash 055. The show notes for the interview with Margie will be there. And in addition, you can sign up to join the community where you'll get a weekly email from me with the latest podcast, my favorite takeaway, other ideas, and inspiration. And as a thank you, you will get 52 self-care tips, one idea for every week of the year. And my hope is that you'll use it as a reference to pick your favorites or add to the list, but really just to be more mindful of whether you are scheduling yourself into your day. Thanks so much for tuning in and I look forward to reconnecting next Wednesday. Bye for now.